This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. All right, we've been talking about red letter, red letters, famous words of Jesus, and uh, we had a great night of worship last week. Y'all enjoy that? Wasn't that, a, wasn't that a blessing? That was, that was a wonderful time. And, and so we're back to, to red letters. We're going to talk about some of the words. We're looking, we're looking again at a very important parable that Jesus outlined for us. And he outlined this parable. And when he talked about this parable, he said, you got to understand this one because it really is one of the keys to all of them. And so it's talk, he was talking about the importance of his words. And so as we look at this today, let's pray and let's ask God to help us, you to receive, me to speak, and, and the good results to come forth. Father, thank you that we have an opportunity just to, to hear you, to open your word, to receive from you. We had an opportunity just to worship you tonight because that is such a good thing. And Lord, we are just today, we anticipate your help, your grace, that you would give me grace and words to speak that bring life and healing and strength. Father, give us ears to hear, hearts that are open and receptive. And we realize as that happens, we'll never be the same. And we'll give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus was talking, and, and we, we won't take time to read it, but he was talking to a group of people, and he would, he would talk to them in parables. And when he was talking in parables, what he was doing was giving them spiritual truths, but he was putting it in such a simple way that they could understand it. That was the objective. And so he, he finished one of the parables of, of a sower sowing the word. And then he said this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, obviously he's talking to people with ears on their, on their head. So he must have been talking about something different. And we see an insight into what was different because a, a, few, a few verses later, the Bible said that, that those who were around Jesus with the disciples asked him a question. Lord, what did you mean by that? And Jesus answered them. He said, well, to you, it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Now, I think it's interesting. That I think sometimes people think, well, maybe the disciples, because they were disciples, they had, they had access. But he's actually saying, no, these were people who were around them with the disciples. So you can imagine somebody listening to Jesus, and Jesus is talking about the parable of the sower sows the word, and, and, and some guy's sitting there going, what's that mean? What's that mean? So everybody kind of, you know, Jesus dismissed and everybody goes home and this guy stays. And uh, he's hanging around with the, he knows he's not a disciple, but he's just kind of hanging around. And Jesus comes over and, and Jesus is talking with the disciples and, and there's some other people hanging around and they go, um, Jesus, what do you mean by that? What were you talking? And Jesus said, to you it's given. What's he indicating? That understanding the things of God it really starts with a heart hunger. It starts with a desire to know, a desire to be here. Some of you can testify. The fact I, I had a guy told me one time, he said, Pastor, I have a drug problem. I said, really? He said, yeah, all my life I was drugged to church. It's a joke. That's a joke, son. It's a joke. I, uh, I, uh, I, I laughed. He said, but, he said, but I, I, when, when I come here, he said, it, it's made such a difference in my life. And, and I really realized, it was, gee, was it the preaching or the worship? I really think the, the biggest determining factor was it was a heart hunger. How many of you know you can bring someone here and, and, and hear a message and go, man, that was really good. And you can bring a friend and they're like, 
You know, they're about to get carpal tunnel syndrome because they look at their wrists so much. <laughs> and then you could bring another friend and they could hear the same, sitting on, right on the other side of you, they hear the same message and just be, oh, that was, that was awesome. That was great. What's the difference? Is it always the preacher or is it the heart condition of the people who are listening? And so what we find is, the, and, and this is why sometimes I, I think it's important just to kind of stir yourself up because if you're not careful, it's so easy just to kind of Come in and sit down and just kind of go into neutral mode. It's kind of like, all right, here I am. I made it. What you got? And and I'm glad you made it. But there's there's another way. It's coming in and sitting down and going, Lord, I thank you. And I thank you, Lord, you can talk through him to help me. I got issues and things and I want to fix in my life. Thank you, you can give Alan some words that will help me. And and there's a difference. And then you can come in expecting something good. And when you come in expecting something good, you typically get it. You ever hear me go off course, especially on Wednesday night? You ever hear me go off trail on Wednesday night? That's all I do on Wednesday night is go off trail. And And I'm going to tell you why. I tell you why, because there's more of a pull on typically on Wednesday nights than there is on Sunday. And so a lot of times people come on Sunday because it's, 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 a, it's a religious thing to do or their girlfriend brought them or their family made them come. And so you got a mixed crowd. Typically, not always, but typically on Wednesday night, this is a group that really wants to be here. That was a good chance for you to go, that's right, that's us. <laughs> We're special, <laughs> but it's a different environment. And, and so when you're, when you're hungry and, and there's a desire there, you, you'll find you, you get more. If you're not hungry, a lot of times you don't get much. Well, didn't it work that way in, in, in life? You could, you could go out to eat at like a favorite restaurant. If you've been out to eat at a favorite restaurant, you're just not hungry. And you're picking at it and you're like, Whatever. But then if you're hungry, man, you can go to some really low rent places and get some, and get some chow. You're like, I am hungry now. So I will, I will pretty much eat anything that's not nailed down. And so hunger makes a difference. Jesus was saying, hey, who, who's available? Listen, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm not a preacher. No one in my family's a preacher. I guess the things of God are always going to be obscure to me. They do not have to be obscure. You can have a heart that says, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know what you've got for me. I want to know you, what your word can do in my life. Lord, I want to know you. And, and the Bible said he fills the hungry heart with good things. And so we say, well, what if you're not hungry? Well, then you just need to say, Lord, let me stir myself up to get hungry. Because you're not, you know, like I said, sometimes you just get used to stuff. But it's good just to stir ourselves up and go, let's get hungry. So that was the recap. Let, let's, read the, uh, let's read the parable. Mark 4, this is Jesus speaking. He's now, he's now giving more of a definition of the parable. He said, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. 
Now these are the ones sown among thorns. And they're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this, <clears throat> this world, excuse me, and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. We talked a little bit last week about the conditions. Now listen, when Jesus is talking about these, sometimes people said, well, these are people. Some are, are hard. I really believe that it is much more of a heart condition. And, and, and what, I'm, what I'm putting out to you is, is you'll find is you might be hard-hearted actually in some area, but very receptive in another area. When he talked about the wayside ground, he was talking, and Jesus was using the example of a sower who would go out. He didn't have machinery, so they would throw seeds. And they're throwing seeds out. And he said, some lands by the wayside, really by the path, by the road, it's hard. He said, Satan's able to come immediately. We'll say, well, I never liked that. I think, well, how does Satan get to come and steal God's word in my heart? Well, if I don't receive it, he has access to it. And so the idea is to be receptive. You say, well, what stops someone from being receptive? One of the things is, uh, is tradition. Now, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, often when we, when we say tradition, we always say religious tradition. But you know, it actually can apply to secular tradition as well. If you weren't raised in church, you were still raised and, and around people, had an environment, and they taught you some stuff. And I'll give you an example. Many of you who weren't raised in church were taught that preachers are crooks and all churches want is your money. Anybody ever hear that? Yes. Now, that's, that's something that if you come in with that, that kind of concept, you're kind of looking at me out of one eye the whole time going, I know he's a crook. I, I, I know, I know. I like his wife, but he's a crook. I, I, I know, I, and I know that all they want is, is my money. And, and so you, if you hear that, then anytime I talk about giving or being blessed or sowing or being generous in your lifestyle, if you've got that tradition already in your mind, how many of you know it's hard for you to receive in that area? And you'll kick it out. You'll just go, well, he's, just, he's just wanting me to give because he wants my money. And if you've been taught that, I understand that. That's, but that's a tradition. And what you, what you have to do, you say, well, <laughs> say, well, how do I overcome that? Well, you just say, Lord, help me to see your truth and look for scripture to back, to back up what I'm saying. And so you're not, and, and sometimes, it takes, sometimes it takes a while sitting in church to finally realize he may not be a crook. <laughs> Just a thought. <laughs> but tradition, how you were raised. I talked to a lady one time, a couple down the front. We were talking to them. They said, pray for our relationship. That's code to me. I said, you guys living together? Yeah. I said, okay. Well, why don't we think about this? Why don't we, why don't we think about doing this God's way and getting married? Just real kind. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I didn't look at him and go, I'll tell you what. You're going to bust hell wide open. That's not what I said. I said, hey, let's, I smiled. Let's do it God's way. And that girl, man, that girl bowed up at me. I mean, I thought, man, I'm glad he was there because if she starts swinging, I'm, I'm going to expect him to stop her. But she, <laughs> she said, I wasn't raised that way. Okay. She was raised. You don't get married. Basically, I'm thinking is you can't trust men, so you keep your options open. Y'all got quiet. 
So, do you, see, do you see what I'm saying? How you're taught can make you very unreceptive. And so, it's, I think we all have to look at our background and go, how was I taught? You know, I'm, I'm going to do a series, probably coming up in April, I'm going to do a series on the Holy Spirit. And whenever I, I talk about the Holy Spirit, I have to spend about the first time talking to everyone who's heard that the Holy Spirit's wrong or of the devil or flaky or weird. And so I have to spend about one message working with people who have been taught differently. That's why we have a saying around here. Don't get mad. Get scripture. Thank you. And so scripture becomes then the guideline. So it's tradition. Second reason people don't receive well is feelings of inadequacy or unworthiness. You just feel like, well, I, I, I know the Bible says that, but you don't know how I've been or you don't know what I've done and you don't, you don't know. And so oftentimes people will disqualify themselves from hearing God's word because they're saying is, I, you know, I, Alan, that might apply, but I'm a horrible Christian. Do you realize that that's one of the biggest tools the enemy uses to keep people off base? You are a horrible Christian. Everyone else is a good Christian. You are horrible. Just look at those people. You walk in the ark. They can't really be that happy. They're not happy, but they're looking at you and they know when you came in here, you're a bad Christian. Just look at them. They know. <laughs> and, and if you go down, to, I, I, you, Pastor Allen saw you. He didn't, he didn't smile. In fact, he looked angry. Because <laughs> he knows. You're a, you're a lousy Christian. And the enemy tells people stuff like that. And the, and the bottom line is, that's one of the reasons that Joy and I talk about all the issues we have in our own life because you begin to realize everybody's got issues, guys. We're just all at different levels of dealing with it. And the good news is, is some of the issues that used to plague you, don't have, you don't have to live with them for the rest of your life. And you can grow out of these things. And so you can grow. So as you begin to hear that, listen, don't think, well, I'm, I know I'm the only one. I'm a, horrible, I'm a horrible Christian. I'm unworthy. You are what God's word says you are. My, my pastor was John Osteen. He used to have us, we, we did it every week. This is before they put scriptures up on the screen. He'd have us hold our Bibles. We actually brought Bibles to church. He would have them hold them up. He said, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I Does Joel still do that? Does he? Yes. So, yeah. yeah, he got it from his dad, yeah. Uh, that, and he would have us say that over and over again. Why? Because if you have a sense of unworthiness and guilt, it's hard for you to receive all the good things that God has for you. And when you begin to find out how much God loves you and how much he's for you, if you have this sense of unworthiness, you'll kick it out. Third, one, third reason people don't receive is a lack of interest due to a low valuation of God's work. We don't realize how powerful it is, and so you're hearing it, and it's like, yeah, well, yeah whatever. And if you've got that kind of whatever, then it, it makes it very difficult for you to receive. And so the enemy can just steal from you. But when you're like, when you have a different valuation, if you value it, then it becomes a different thing in your life. The second group that Jesus talked about was what I call the high enthusiasm, low heat tolerance group. He talked about these people sown on stony ground. They hear the word and immediately receive it with gladness. So this is, he said that this ground had no depth it lacked moisture. So this condition of the heart is the tendency to be extremely moved by the environment. They received God's word with joy. So they believed it. But Satan, and Satan was unable to steal the word here. Notice it didn't say Satan couldn't steal that. He didn't steal that. They the Bible said they received the word with gladness. They heard it and went, I like that. 
You ever had that happen? Just read, maybe we said something or you, you're reading something and it, it registers with you and you're like, man, that's good. You realize God's word's good news. It's good news. If you're ever in a church and you leave feeling condemned and beat down, you've not heard the gospel because the gospel always has hope in it and it always has good news in it and it will always lift you. Even in the worst of times when God would talk to Israel and Israel in the Old Testament, man, they would get off track. They would do all kinds of bad things. And God said, man, there's hard times coming. He said, but you're going to call on me one day and I'm going to answer you and I'm going to bring you out of that situation and I'm going to put you in a good land and I'm going to bless you. God always leaves us with hope. And so when you hear his word, you might as well just go ahead and get glad about it and go, man, that's good. I'm glad about that. I received that with gladness. That means you received it. If I tell you something and, and you, and you if, I, if I say, hey, after church tonight, I'm, I'm going to take you to Taco Cabana, buy you anything you want. Now, if you're hungry, you're thinking, now, if you're hungry and you believe me, you're like, all right, I'm going to Taco Cabana. But what if you don't, what if you don't believe me? And you're like, okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. And you can tell, you, you, you can tell when someone believes you and when they don't. You tell them good news and they just smile and go, oh, that's great. You tell them something, they go. <laughs> they didn't receive it with gladness. This group receives it with gladness. The challenge here is that they had an unwillingness to endure when the heat came. So you hear it, begin to practice it, put it in practice in, God, in your life, and then persecution comes, affliction comes. I, I really see this uh, oftentimes. I, I've especially seen this in the area of tithing and giving. That people hear about tithing. That tithing is 10%. You take 10% of your income and you give it to the Lord first. And that's the step of faith. And uh, Joy and I have done it now for 37 years. You, you realize 10, every, more than 10% of everything that comes in the ark goes out of the ark. So we believe in that principle. And when you hear it and first begin to do it, um, <laughs> if, if you're not careful, all hell breaks loose. People are like, you know, Alan, I started tithing. Washing machine broke. Car dropped a transmission and my dog left. I mean, you know, what... What's up with that? Uh, understand that the Bible said that tribulation and persecution arise for the word's sake. So the, the idea is to get us off of doing what God said works. Does that make sense? How about this? Persecution. How about, man, you, you, you come, you, you make Jesus your Lord, you start coming to church, you're excited, and you go tell your friends. And they're like, oh, Wonderful. So I guess this means now that you're a holy roller, I guess this means you won't be partying with us. And you're like, oh, no, I love you guys. I want you to come to church. We're not coming to that church. You know, we're going to live life. Your fun days are over. And don't call us. We'll call you. A lot of people deal with that. Or they deal with worse. Families that won't talk to them. People that cut them off. Tribulation, persecution, why? To get you to back off what you've heard and what you believe. 
I believe there's multitudes out there, lots of them. Christians made a decision. The Lord came into their life and they caught heat. And they said, I can't do this. And the enemy tells them, you can't do this. And so this is why oftentimes you see in scripture over and over again, this is why, in fact, in Hebrews 10th chapter is a good passage. This was written to people who were really dealing with some persecutions. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward for you have need of endurance or perseverance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. In other words, don't throw your confidence away. You begin to hear something. God begins to move and things begin to change in your life and you begin to hear, hey, I can live differently. Hey, I can have a relationship with God. Hey, I can begin to have a life where I find his purpose and his meaning in my life and it's a wonderful thing. And if you won't throw that away, it has great reward. You just persevere and stay. If you can just hang in there until you finally realize, God, you are true. You are real. You will help me. You will do things in my life. You're good. And if I stay with you, I'll see that goodness. This is, this is why it's good to have church friends. This is why you need people in your life who have experienced some tough times and God has helped them and they can look at you and go, darling, I, you can make this. This is why when Joy and I say over and over again, you've heard us say this, we have hope for any marriage. If you'll show me two people who are willing to give their lives to God and willing to change, any marriage can work. Say, so how do you know? Because I'm a living testimony. And there's a lot of people in here who are living testimonies of that. People, people and other people who've said, I'll tell you something. Oh, God can help. He can help you get out of that business situation. You're in a hard time. He can help you with that. He can help. So you need people in your life when you come dragging in and you're thinking, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can ever make I don't know. You need people to go, oh, you can do this. You can make this. God's got a good plan for you. You just hang in there and don't throw your confidence away because you're going to make it. That's one of the purposes of church. It's to encourage you so you can walk out. And then the idea is we encourage one another. You're, when you're feeling down and you're having a hard time in your marriage, don't call your friend who's been divorced five times and working on the sixth time. That's not the guy you want to talk to. He's like, oh yeah, man, women, you can't trust them at all. I get rid of them. I tell you what. That's <laughs> no, you need to talk to someone to say, listen, Listen, you trust God in this. You look to him. Don't throw your confidence away. You, you hang on to this. You stay with it. All my friends left. God can get you new friends. And not only that, he can get you better friends who will be with you good and bad times, not just fair weather friends who are with you when the party's on and when the party's off, they're gone. You need people in your life who will love you and trust you and help you develop into what God's called you to be. That was... Now, now, none of that was in my notes. So that was, that was for somebody, or I'm assuming somebodies, plural. And so, but don't throw, do not throw your confidence away. Boy, I, I tell you guys, as, 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 I look at the, as I look at the world around us, and I'm, I'm starting now to get to that age where I can look back and remember a few years. I mean, my 35 years has been long and enduring. 
but with, with, with so many things in our world changing, with our even ability to get information and trust whether or not it's even accurate, with so, many, so much political upheaval, I've never seen our country more divided. I've never seen more, just more outrage and division. If there's anyone's words we need to run to during this time, it's the one who loved us, who sacrificed his life for us, who's true, and who said that heaven and earth will pass away and his words won't pass away. This is the, this is the one that you want to build your life around and your family around and your children around and your business around. The, he's got answers. There's a lot of people, listen, there's a lot of people that say they have answers and they've gone down in flames. There's companies that have come and gone. Companies that are on the Fortune 500 comp, you know, list 25 years ago and a bunch of them aren't even there. Things are changing. This doesn't change. And Jesus said, if you'll take this and put this in your life, it will change your life. It will change how you see things. It will change what you project. It will change the, the, the parameters of your life. God's word is seed and it will get in you and begin to grow in you. And you can, you can be doing things 10, 15 years from now that you never even dreamed that you would do because God got a hold of you and you got a hold of him and you put his word in your life and it changed it. Jesus said, my words are seeds. He said, they produce 30 and 60 and 100 fold. You ever wonder why, why does some just produce 30, some 60, some 100? Because what you put in, the measure you give to it is what you're going to get out of it. Joy and I were always the strictest parents on the block. The most rigid parents on the block when it came to rules with their kids. We were the most watchful parents on the block on what we let our kids watch and do. But you know, after a while, guys, I'll just be honest with you. I got tired of taking advice from people who were more messed up than me. <laughs> and I began to realize, God, your word works. And it'll work in a family. It'll work in a marriage. And if you'll give yourself to it, you'll see results from it. That's, that's the way the kingdom works. It's fair. It's not, it's, the, the Lord's not prejudiced. He's not biased. He's not, he doesn't show favorites. He's totally just. And if you just say, Lord, I love you. I want to know more about you. I want to know more about your word. He will answer that cry. And he can do something amazing in your life. I think it's time we stop apologizing for going to church or being Christians. And we start just telling people, y'all to come in. We got answers. Y'all don't have many answers. We got answers. Solid answers. Solid victory. So many people have been given hopeless, hopeless. Just, well, we, we can't do anything for you. Well, there's nothing you can, we can do. And with God, we, we have hope. Man, I... I've seen people's minds get sharper. I've seen people come off drugs and alcohol, addictions. I've seen marriages that were horrendous. 
turn around. I've seen families have peace. And it's not because we're wonderful. It's because he's wonderful. And his word is true. And it's seed. If you plant good seed, you get good harvest. And you learn these things. You know, Joy and I have just learned over the years, even just the planting seeds with our words, to plant seeds of kindness and love and grace. And what a difference that can make. Say, uh, Alan, you, you did that because you're smart. No, I was stupid. But the entrance of his words bring light. And I got in church, and I, and I, I made church, I'm, I'm just, I made church, Joy and I made church a priority. I said, well, you're a preacher. Wasn't always a preacher. I was a sales rep. And when I was a sales rep, we still went. And we spent a lot of time, and people say, dear Lord, we drove to Lakewood Church. We, we live up here. We drove down there. Oh, dear God. You passed, you passed 50 churches on the way down there. Yeah, but I got help there. And it was worth the drive. And you'll drive 70 miles for a steak. You might as well drive 40 for some good word that, that will help you. And, and so, so tonight is Alan on the soapbox. But been around long enough to see the results. That's why when people come to me, we don't, we don't preach our church. We preach God is good, his word is good, and he will help you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace in our life. Thank you, Lord. You know every individual sitting here. You know the hairs on their head. You know everything about them. And you love every one of them. So, Father, we thank you. You're big. You're awesome. We just ask, Lord, that we can learn just to magnify you, that you fill the windshield of our life. And thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your mercy for us. Some of us have tested you to no end, but you've been gracious and merciful, and you always will be. You're good, and your mercy endures forever. Thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you for people sitting here who came, who've been diagnosed as hopeless or worthless or just not much going on. Thank you. You have a better plan and it can come to fruition. We thank you for that because you're good. You are so good. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you came tonight and said, Alan, I, I don't know that I even have a relationship with the Lord. I'm not sure, but I want one. Or you're saying, I, I knew the Lord and I got away from him. And I realized tonight, I, I don't want to live away from him. I want to live in fellowship with him. He can change my life for the better. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front. But if that's you that I'm talking to, you say, Alan, I, would you pray for me? I, man, I, I want to know the Lord or I want to come back to him. I tell you, that's a prayer he's going to answer tonight. If that's you, I just need to quick, real quickly just shoot your hand up across the auditorium. Say, that's me. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Right in the back. Thanks. Thanks. Great. Anybody else? Okay. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand, you wanted to. You can pray this prayer still. This is a heart prayer. Believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth. We're going to lead you in a prayer. Pray it out loud so you can hear it. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. 
I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.